The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, the Lord appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move on from about from one house to another. Whatever time you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. The 72 returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's Gospel reading is a reminder to us and an encouragement to us to make sure we know our Old Testament. Because if we hear the Gospel today, but we don't know the Old Testament, Jesus picks 72 men and it doesn't really matter that much because he could have well just picked 64 or 38 or 97. It wouldn't matter. It was just kind of a number, a descriptive thing. But the fact that Jesus picked 72 disciples to go and prepare the way before him is a significant thing if you know your Old Testament. The reality is that Jesus, in choosing the people that he was choosing, in doing the things that he was doing and setting up this ministry, remember last week he set his face firmly to Jerusalem, so he's he's finishing up his task. He's putting the final touches on things. What he's doing is not kind of accidental. It's very much intentional. We go back and look in Exodus. We see there the man Moses who was kind of like the figure of Christ for the Old Testament in that time. He was the one through whom the, the, the voice of God was made manifest, the will of God was made manifest. It was Moses who would go on the mountain, he would, he would commune with God face to face, and he would come down and he would explain to the people of God what it is the Lord had revealed to him. And so, so real was this connection with God is that he would become radiant, that Moses' face would shine, so they made him put a veil over his face. Because uh, it was too bright for them to look at. It's kind of a strange thing. Imagine having to live your life with a veil over your face all the time. And yet this was the reality of Moses because he communed with God. 
But it wasn't just this, that the Lord commanded certain things of him. Moses was given one who was to be his, kind of a, the, the leader of the rest of the people, the one to help kind of carry out the rest of the work, while Moses was busy uh, receiving these, these directions from the Lord for the people in Israel. This one was Aaron, the high priest. Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu, brothers, who were serving under him, who were basically the assistants. So, so Moses had Aaron and then Nadab and Abihu, who were there, his, kind of his top three. They were always there whenever the big stuff needed to happen. And beyond this, there were 70 men, as the Old Testament would describe it, or in some translations, 72 men, that were chosen to be able to help offer the sacrifice. And this is what they were chosen for, is they were specifically chosen to help make the new covenant. So Moses, Aaron, the brothers Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 who were surrounding them were called together to go to the mountain of God to offer a sacrifice that, the, that a covenant might be made. Remember, a covenant is a family bond. So it's, it's, it was saying the people of Israel are being made part of the family of God. And this was their offering. Now, if you have that in mind, whenever Jesus starts to do the things that he does in his ministry, you kind of easily can start to connect the dots. Jesus is God himself. And how often he goes by himself to commune with the Father. The radiance that was shown in the face of Moses is shown in the whole body of Christ in the transfiguration. There they both climb upon a mountain to encounter the Lord. But Christ is radiant, and he has a right-hand man, Peter. Under that one man, a pair of brothers, James and John. He has the twelve gathered around him from whom they come, representing the entire people of God. The whole of Israel is present there, the twelve tribes represented by the twelve apostles. But then he calls, in addition to them, seventy-two others. Because the Lord is going to Jerusalem, and there he will seal the covenant that, he is, that he's bringing about. Every single Mass we hear in the, the, the consecration of the chalice, this is my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. That was what he said at the Last Supper, that the Lord was, that was making a new covenant with God. And who did he help? Who did he have with him to, to make, this, this, make this reality? Peter, two brothers, James and John, the twelve representing the rest of the tribes, and then 72 others all gathered around, preparing the way for him to go to make this covenant for us with God. And just as the same, it was Moses who was doing all of this to free the people from from physical slavery, from physical bondage to the Egyptians, the Lord God, as our opening prayer alludes to today, is the Lord, the Lord Jesus. He's coming and he makes the new covenant not to free us from physical slavery necessarily, but to free us, free us, free us if I can speak. Maybe I should slow down. I get too excited. Jesus is too exciting. I'm sorry, y'all. The, the Lord comes to free us from spiritual slavery, to free us from sin. And this is the reality is, is when, when we read that passage, when we read it in the light of the Old Testament, we see that, that Jesus wasn't just kind of making things up as he went along. 
So many of our Christian brothers and sisters think that Jesus wasn't trying to build a church. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to found a new religion. He wasn't trying to do any of these things. He didn't, want, he didn't want a priesthood, we're often told. That's why in the New Testament they never used the word priest. You know why they never used the word priest? Because the New Testament writers knew what, when people would hear the word priest, they would think the Jewish priests. And there was a new priesthood that Christ had called and consecrated. So they used new words. When Christ was, was preparing to make the new and eternal covenant, the everlasting covenant, he was doing it by building his church. It wasn't a new religion. It was, fulfill, it was the fulfillment of everything the Jewish people had been receiving for centuries. And it finally came to its fullness in the mystery of the cross. Where God himself offers himself as the victim to make us his family. Christ desired a priesthood, and he built it. He built up a church. He entrusted those that he called and those that were sent out. He entrusted them with his authority. They marveled at it. Even the, even the, the evil spirits, Jesus, have, they, they flee because you have given us your power. We, we have your authority to cast out evil. And the Lord says, good, but don't, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that you're a part of the family of God. Don't just get excited by what you can do. Remember who you are. You're one of mine. You're one of my chosen ones. And this is the reality is that the Lord has called his chosen ones to continue to minister in his church. Today, the Lord still gives to his chosen ones, his disciples, his authority. That's why the priests spend time in the confessional. It's because we have the authority to do so and to forgive sins. Not because I'm just that awesome, but because the priest has, has received the authority from Christ to do so. There's nothing special about the man other than the fact that he has been consecrated to act in the person of Christ and given the authority to do so. What Jesus was setting up is still very much at work in the world. Even though some may not believe it, this is what Christ desired for us. And if he desired it, it's for us to sustain it. And this is what our Lord specifically commands us. There are very few things that, you know, that our Lord like, really commands of us. Absolutely. He encourages us to do a lot of things. If, if you would like to do this, if you would grow in holiness, follow this path, etc., etc. But here he turns to the disciples, and it's not an option. He says, pray for more workers. Pray for more workers. And the call is given to us today, too. Pray for more laborers for the Lord's vineyard. In other words, pray for vocations. Pray for priests. If we're not praying that the Lord would, would, would send us priests, if we're not praying that the Lord will, will give light to the eyes of the, of the men in our community whom he may be calling to be priests, if we're not praying for them, if we're not praying for grace, if we're not praying for light, it's not our fault if he doesn't send them. If we're not praying for priests, if we don't ask for them, he may not give them. He calls us to pray for priests because we need priests. And I say that not as a way of, kind of ensuring job security. I say that because I need priests. 
As I've said before, a priest can't just go to, the, go to the mirror, look at himself in the eyes and say, I absolve you of your sins. That would be nice and convenient. <laughs> but I need a priest too to forgive me of my sins. I needed a priest to be able to baptize me. I needed a priest, I needed a bishop to be able to ordain me. One day, whenever I'm sick enough, I pray God that I may be able to still receive the anointing. And I'll need another priest to anoint me. I can't just put the oil on my own hands and call it a day. Even priests need priests. Because they have the authority of Christ. So we pray for priests in the church. But also it's to recognize that every single one of us has a place in the plan of God. You know, sometimes the, you know, the, the, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the things of, you know, if, you know, if we're just if we're if we're just Catholics. And I, I mean, I can only speak from my experience whenever I was younger. I would go and I would do my thing at church. I'd go up, I'd show up at church, I'd, you know, do my prayers, do my do my whatever, my devotions and these kinds of things. And father would do his thing. And it was his job to be able to to make sure everybody got to church. It was his job to touch people, to teach people, to be able to kind of reach hearts, to, you know, to, to do the to do the stuff of evangelization. My job was simply just to come and do and to, to sit in a pew necessarily. I mean, I didn't feel like I had to do anything more. But the reality is that, that Christ is calling us, all of us, to do more. The simple fact is that every one of us has a place in the plan of God. Every one of us, God desires us to do something specific. Probably today, this week, this month, this year, and with our entire life. And we may not know exactly what that is. Some of us, we go through our life and, and, we, and we don't exactly know what the Lord desires of us. We don't know, we don't know why we're being, being called to do the things that we do. We don't see the fruits of it necessarily. But we trust that the Lord, that, that, that if we're people of prayer, that the Lord is going to do what he needs to do through us. Even though we may be blind to it. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people tell me about stories where they encountered someone uh, where, where, where something happened. A person offered to pray for them at church. Somebody stopped them and said, you know, said, a, said a, a word of consolation in the grocery store. Uh, I mean, countless things where people have encountered just another Christian. And not, even a, not even a priest, just another Christian. And that person was, for them, an instrument of God's grace where something changed in them. I know a number of priests who began thinking about the priesthood because somebody sitting in the pews, like yourself, said, have you ever thought about being a priest? And it started there. Every one of you has a place in God's plan. Not just the 72 who are chosen, but every one of you. Everyone has the ability to affect another person's life for the good if we allow our hearts to be willing to listen to Christ and to follow after him. And so this is our invitation. I would encourage you to, to spend some time thinking about it. What does God want from me? What, and, and maybe you want to go pick, big picture. <laughs> What's the calling for my entire life? What does God want of my life to be? Or maybe you want to scale it back a little bit and be like, what does God want me to do in the next 10 minutes? What does God want me to do later this afternoon? Because he desires them. I mean, he's, he's not trying to control us. You know, he's not trying to really play the Sims with us, you know. But he has a desire for us. 
He wants us to be open to his grace, open to his movement, so that whenever a certain person crawls our path, and sometimes we feel inspired to say something to them, to speak something to them, to be present to them, to be the love of Christ to them. And how often that can change things. So let us draw close to our Lord in this holy mass. Ask him to be with us, to draw close to us as indeed he always does. And so we ask, Lord, that you would come and to be with us, to remain with us, to stay with us. That you would help us to know what it is that you desire of us. But most especially that you would fill us with faith. Help us to trust in you. To know that we are not just cogs in a wheel, but we are indeed your sons and daughters. Whom you love very deeply and desire to bless in great abundance. Help us to rejoice not in the things that we do, but in the fact that we are your children. And help us to follow your will that we might be able to remain your children always with all of our brothers and sisters in heaven. Amen.